Tonight is um, chapter 2, entitled, Somebody Tell Me About Angels. Um, this is probably one of the chapters that, you know, more people want to get in a fist fight about than any of the others. But we're not going to, hopefully that won't happen to us tonight. Uh, first, before we get started on that, did anybody have any questions about your, your fill-in-the-blanks form from last week? It's all pretty, uh, it just goes right along with the book. Or if you listen in class, one or the other. I had a professor at Howard Payne that uh, it was a history class. And this guy had been uh, General Eisenhower's aide all the way through World War II. And when it came time to that period in United States and world history, he just sat the book down and just stood there for six weeks and talked. It was incredible. You could read the book and flunk his class, but if you could take good notes and listen to him, uh, even I got an A. <laughs> okay, well, let's start with prayer. Father, we just thank you for your word. And thank you, Lord, that when we get confused or we're not quite sure who's what or where it goes or whatever, that your word will always guide us and illuminate our minds to a greater understanding of you and who you are. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So the first thing that we need to understand is that the Bible says that angels are for real. That they're, they're for real. You know, I mean, I've, I've had people say to me, well, have you ever seen an angel? And I have to say, no, I haven't. But that doesn't mean they're not real, you know. Um, I saw some guys the other day that had uh, caught an alligator gar that was nearly eight feet long. Well, I've never seen an alligator gar that long, but that didn't mean there wasn't one. He was right there. And, it's, and I, you know, I received revelation about that. So the Bible tells us, my friend Johnny Cook, who who started this book uh, used to say that angels were God's mailmen that when God had something real serious he wanted you to understand he sent an angel and we get a little further in the, tonight and we'll look at some of the occurrences of angels and uh, even the occurrence of, um, uh, of the angel of the Lord and we'll talk about that a little bit but <coughs> The Bible says God is real, and God says angels are real. There are 294 verses in the Bible that refer to angels or angelic beings. I'm not going to give you all those tonight, but uh, I am going to give you a few more than are written on our little worksheet. Um, they, did a, they did a poll, and 64% of uh, people in our land said that they believe angels exist. Uh, 46% believe that they personally had a guardian angel. And 36% of society have felt the presence of an angel. I was in a church service one time in San Jose, California. And right in the middle of the praise and worship service, I heard this lady just yell. And she said, look, look at that. And she pointed up to the to the to where the walls come together up on the second 
story of the sanctuary, and I turned around and looked, I didn't see anything. But the pastor and some other people saw an angel just like that lady did. So I complained about it. I told my wife, I said, I don't know why, you know, you can, how come God didn't let me see that? But she figured he probably knew what I needed and didn't need. So there are stories all throughout history about angelic beings. Um, in fact, um, well, I'll wait till I get over there. We'll talk about that. But <coughs> the Bible teaches us that angels are created beings with a divine mission or purpose. I think that's a couple of blanks on your sheet. I'm not sure. But angels are, a, are, are created beings designed with a specific mission or a purpose. So today we're going to look at some of those purposes. We're going to look at, at how they exist, uh, what they do, how they serve God, and even how they serve us at the pleasure of God. Uh, we all know that angels have a past, that there was some time where there was, uh, of the angels that God created, that there was a conflict. And so we'll get to that in a minute. And that has to do with Lucifer and fallen angels. But the Bible says in Psalm 148. That God created angels. Well how did he do that? I don't know. I mean it's pretty cool. Because God if he wants to create something. Just says it. He just calls it. And it is. That's pretty handy. Amen. Um, and so. The Bible seems to indicate that angels were created uh, about the same time as the sun, the moon, and the stars. And in Job 38, I think it's verse 6. Uh, it'll be on your, on your verses list. Uh, the Bible says that they shouted together at the foundation of the earth. So that angels were present before the earth was so angels therefore had to be created before the earth was uh, the bible talks about a couple of different types of angels um, one is uh, a cherubim Ezekiel described them as guarding and protecting the throne of God uh, the cherub, they were the ones that cast Adam and Eve from the Garden of Eden. And they also are the ones that protected uh, its entrance with a flaming sword. That's cherubims. It's not little baby, two feet tall, play a harp, you know, have wings on your back. That's fantasy. Excuse me. Angels are the real deal. Yes, sir. I didn't get a questionnaire for tonight. Oh, this is is was last week. You didn't well, get you one. You gave it to us last week. Yeah, yeah. It's it's number number two. Okay. Don't ever do that again. Yes, sir. I promise I won't. Bring it back with me. I won't. Please forgive me. Don't hurt me. Okay. <laughs> so the Bible talks about cherubims, and then another one of the classes of angels it talks about seraphim. 
And these are some spooky looking angels. Uh, Isaiah described these angels as having six wings. Uh, that they could fly and that they hover over the throne of God. And that they cry out all the time. Their, their total job is to glorify God. And so they fly around the throne in the throne room and they say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. That's their total job is to just, just praise God. Um, the Bible tells us in Revelation 5.11 that there are multitudes of angels. <coughs> and it goes on to say, without number. That's a lot. How many is that? It's more than we can imagine. More than we can count. Amen? So, the uh, we, we know that angels fly around, that they, they spend all their time declaring the holiness of God. Uh, and then another thing is that these same angels care for God's creation. And you and I are part of that creation. And if we have time tonight before we leave, I've got a cool angel story for you. So, from a reliable source, my wife. I always tell people I like to take my wife fishing with me. That way, if I catch a big one, people will believe me because she'll say yes. <coughs> so, they appear to be able to fly between heaven and earth, wherever heaven is. But we know that they can move from one place to the other. They have access uh, to all three levels of heaven. We know that uh, one of the angels mentioned in the Old Testament is the archangel, Michael. The archangel is like, he's the man. You know, I mean, he's, he, it, it's, he's the, the, the leader of the host. Of, of all the angels of God. The Bible also talks about the angel Gabriel. And we know that God used Gabriel for the most part as a messenger. That he would send Gabriel uh, to bring news to uh, like Daniel. The angel that appeared to Daniel. The Bible says that was Gabriel. Uh, uh, the messenger angel. And so he brought good news to Daniel, Zacharias, to Mary, and Joseph. Um, then the Bible goes on to tell us in Ezekiel 28, and I, I hope when you read through the book, you read these verses, because they take you a lot further than we can get in, in an hour. But... Um, the Bible tells us not only that there are angels that serve God and that serve us at God's behest, but there are also what's called fallen angels. Fallen angels. Um, we know that uh, Satan or Lucifer, or he's even referred to in a couple of places as the dragon, um, that there was a falling out between Lucifer and God. And that uh, Lucifer paid the price for it. Uh, Ezekiel uh, 28 talks about that that uh, that he pulls back the black curtain of hell and describes Satan as he really is, our adversary. 
you know, there's a new program. It's amazing how the world tries to, how the enemy uses the things of this world to confuse us. And I noticed last night I was watching something on TV and this commercial came on for a new uh, drama on Fox Network. And it's about the devil. Not one of his helpers. It's about the devil and how he's decided to go straight for a while and be a good guy and help people, you know. Well, that's just, that's crazy. You know, I wouldn't want my grandchildren watching that. I mean, man, you talk about getting confused. So the best way you can handle something like that is not to watch it. Um, Satan tries to appear as the uh, one... Uh, uh, one word for him is the angel of light. Men are attracted to the light. I don't say men, men. Men and women are attracted to the light. Um, it appears that Lucifer was created with a free moral agent. In other words, he could decide whether or not to obey God. You and I are free moral agents. We can decide to follow God or not to follow God. The Bible says that Lucifer lifted his heart against God and that he fell like lightning. Lucifer said in, in, in one spot that I will ascend to the Most High. And what he was saying was, I will be, I will be God. I will be just like God. But he, he, uh, he was mistaken. Amen? Um, so in his attempt to overthrow God, he got a third of the angels in heaven to gather up on his side and to try to uh, overthrow God. But the Bible says that the Father cast him out of heaven. He cast him out of heaven. Um, when you look at Jesus going off into the wilderness for 40 days at the beginning of his ministry. And at the end of that 40 days we see Lucifer show up. And Jesus never asked him who he was because he knew who he was. They were intimately acquainted. They had come from the same place. They just came a different direction. Um, the Bible talks about that these fallen angels <coughs> that we refer to as demons. Uh, and the study on demons is, you could write a book six inches thick. Uh, but they're the angels that rebelled against God and fell with Satan. There's not any new demons. There's not any any uh, new fallen angels. Lucifer doesn't have the capability of creating. Only God can create. And um, they're, they're powerful, but they're not all powerful. So like I said, God is all powerful. God can simply speak it, and it is. He doesn't have to put forth any any labor to make it. That's why you hear people say sometimes they'll be uh, 
they'll be talking about an invention by somebody or a, a, a piece of art or a piece of music that somebody wrote. And they'll say, well, so-and-so created this. No, they didn't. They made it. They manufactured it. They can't, we don't have the ability to create. God is the creator. And so Satan, Lucifer, didn't have the power to create additional beings. <coughs> he is not in any way equal to God. God is not afraid of Satan. God knows uh, you know, where Satan is going. And for that matter, so does he. Um, one thing God can do that Satan cannot do is Satan cannot be everywhere at once. God, if you just want to just get really confused, just sit down for a couple hours and think about how is God everywhere at once. Man, I don't know. But I know that the Word says He is. And that's all it takes for me. Amen? Uh, so Satan can't be everywhere at once. Uh, the the Some of the denominational folks used to say... Uh, don't don't say what's on your mind. Satan might hear you. You know, he might read your mind. No, he can't read your mind. You know, so they would say, well, you know, if you're having problems at home, don't pray and say, oh, God, please fix my wrecked marriage. Because then Satan will hear that. and He'll get in there and he'll, you know, fight against you. That's just, that's not real stable doctrine. Uh, uh, he can only be one place at a time. And trust me, I just don't think that I am a, a big enough hazard to him that he wants to spend any of his time dealing with me. Now, that's what he's got demons for, amen? He only has limited knowledge. He doesn't know everything. <coughs> he will tell you that he does. His power is no match for God's power. I mean, when uh, again, if you go back to to when when Satan and and Jesus were in the desert, he said to Jesus, "If you'll just bow down and worship me, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world." Well, there was only one problem with that: he didn't have the deed to the kingdoms of the world. He lied. His power is no match for God's power. But Satan and his demons are dangerous. And they can hurt you and kill you. Uh, they can mess your family up. Uh, you know, you get you get a kid and, and, and get some demonic influence around him. And they start doing drugs. And, and it just, it, it happens to the nicest, sweetest Christian families in the world. I mean, we, we all probably have somebody in our family that's been affected by that mess. But even though it has a physical manifestation, it is a spiritual problem. And the problem is that there, that, that spirit uh, that, that constantly wants more. And the reality is that it's never more. It's always less than it was the first time. The Bible says in First Peter, we, or I'm sorry, in Ephesians six twelve, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Man, I'm glad of that, aren't you? Because the older I get, the less I want to be wrestling anybody. <laughs> but against principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness of this world. 
Notice he didn't say the ruler of the world. He said the rulers of the darkness of this world. <coughs> and you don't have to turn the TV on for very long to figure out that uh, there's a lot of darkness right now. There is a lot of darkness right now. That it is evil. And that it all goes back. You know, when I counsel teenagers, I tell them what you do now is so very important. Because you can mess up an entire family. You can mess up a generation. You can mess up generations to come by just doing something stupid that you knew better in the first place. Um, cookies. The cookies are over there. You look like a man who enjoys a cookie now and then. <laughs> So, the, the, all the conflict in the Middle East goes back to one guy. It goes back to one man of God who slipped up and did something stupid. Abraham, when he came out of Egypt, brought that little servant girl of his wife's with them out of Egypt. And from that mistake... Thousands of years later, we are still dealing with the results of the mistake Abraham made. Amen. That's what it is. And it's a spiritual thing. You're not going to just, here, let me move over to my political side. Okay, <laughs> away from my Bible. You cannot solve the problems in the Middle East with democracy. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. It, it, the, it, just quite honestly, historically, the only governance that works in the Middle East is dictatorship, is kings and princes. Um, but that's because of a, a, a spiritual thing. That's because of the, the, the <coughs> principalities of the air and, and the, the, you know, the, the devil and his angels have caused all this mess because some guy just just messed up just a little bit. Do you know what he did wasn't against his law? What against the law? But it wasn't the right thing to do. I counsel, I have three sons. And that's, uh, I think that's a blessing. At least today I think it is. But uh, uh, when I counsel my sons, I always tell them the same thing. Do the honorable thing. Don't defend yourself. Don't uh, uh, don't attack your adversary. Just do the honorable thing and then depend on God to work it out. And I can't tell you how many times I've had my sons come to me and say, you know what, Dad, I wanted to bust that guy right in the mouth. <laughs> but you said, no, don't do that. And I'm a better man for obeying God. So the Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers of the uh, and the rulers of the darkness of this world. The New Testament says that Satan wanders about like a roaring lion, seek, seeking who he may devour. You ever see a lion hunt? I, I love those old. There's a there's a a television network on cable that. All they play is stuff in black and white. 
I mean, all the movies and, and they'll have like Tarzan, you know, and Jungle Jim and, and, uh, and Westerns, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I just absolutely adore it because that's the kind of stuff I went to a theater and paid 25 cents to watch when I was a, a kid. But you, you, when you watch a lion or even a mountain lion, <coughs> they have a, they des- they decide in their mind before they begin the hunt what they're going to hunt and how they're going to hunt. So they know that if you move this way, they're going to move that way. If you move this way, they're going to move that way. They ha- they have a plan, and it's the same with with Satan. Satan's like a lion, just looking for somebody to devour, and he wants our children, and he wants our families, and he can't have them. We. Uh, we're in my, my son wouldn't mind me telling the story, but because he's actually working on a book about it. But uh, my oldest son got in with some wrong people in high school and uh, got into drugs. Serious stuff, you know. Uh, long story short, uh, we, uh, it got to a point where we would only let him in our house to get something to eat or to shower. Otherwise, he was not welcome in my house. He was my oldest son. He was the pride of my life. But he was not allowed in my home because I didn't want that junk in my home. And Chris said, I don't know what to do. I said, we just have to trust God. And God gave me a remembrance of uh, my son. And he said, do you remember when you dedicated him to me? And I said, oh, yeah, Lord, that was a big day. Man, I had on my double-breasted charismatic preaching suit. Had on a pink shirt and a pink and blue tie. I was styling. And we took that baby up, and our pastor took that baby in his arms, and the baby reached up and grabbed the microphone, and the pastor said, he just like his daddy already. (laughs) But the Lord said, what did you do? I said, well, we dedicated him to you. We gave him to you. And the Lord spoke to me and said, then why are you worrying about my son? Oh, man, I just cried. I, I just, I, and I told my wife, I said, I'm not going to pray about this anymore. I'm through praying. I trust God. If the boy dies, he dies. But I'm going to trust God. She said, okay, that's, that's what we'll do. And we stopped praying for him together. Long story short, uh, he uh, got arrested. They put him in jail. And the, uh, the, the jail keeper, he called me to tell me. He said, uh, I asked your son if he would like to make a phone call to call his father, tell him what was going on. And he said, no need to call my dad. He's not coming to the jail. I told my boys early in life, I, God didn't call me to jail ministry. You get there, somebody else going to have to get you out. And I said, no, sir, he's absolutely right. I will not go to see him. He made his bed hard. He can sleep in it. Well, a couple of weeks went by, and uh, he had an experience with God. And in the middle of the night, in his weeping, God delivered him from drugs he delivered him from crack cocaine just like that and he told me not long ago i asked him i said do you ever have the urge you know 
just to just just to do he said dad since god delivered me i have not wanted cocaine once in my life isn't that wonderful so remember that angels play an important role in our daily lives here on earth um The Bible is filled with accounts of angels visiting earth and its people. Let me give you a couple. If you want to get your verse list for this week, <coughs> these verses are not on the list. These are just some I came about yesterday or day before when I was studying. Yeah, for for the one we're working on right now. Right. Chapter 2, Angels. In, in Acts 27, Paul is in a storm. And he said, last night an angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, stood before me. And then he said what the angel said to do and that God would de- would deliver them. <coughs> Um, Hebrews one uh, fourteen says, "Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation?" Who who is that? Huh? That's exactly right. That's us. That's us. In fact, the Bible tells us that our inheritance is, is the the uh, the those that are those that are saved. Uh, let's see, I got one more. It's in my notes. I haven't got to it yet. Oh, there it is. Okay. So Hebrews 13, 2 says, Don't be forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. What was that one, Hebrews? That's um, Hebrews 13, 2. <coughs> These next three or four are should be on your on your notes. Um, Psalm thirty four seven says the angels of the Lord encamped round about them that fear him and delivereth them. Psalm ninety two eleven says for he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. That's a great promise, isn't it? God himself commands his ministering angels to watch over us. Uh, there's a story in the book about uh, uh, an, an instance that's in uh, Billy Graham's book on angels. That story of a missionary, his name is John Payton. And, and uh, one night the local natives came to the home of the missionary with the full intention of burning it down and killing them. All night long, the Paytons prayed for God's deliverance. When morning came, they were amazed to see the natives had gone. The following year, the chief of the tribe was converted and told the Paytons what had happened that night. He said they saw hundreds of giants in shining clothing with their swords drawn encircling the missionaries' camp. <coughs> and they fled away in fear. And the Paytons could only believe that there were angels of God. 
there's a uh, there's a little situation in this chapter in the book from my friend uh, Dr. Johnny Cook about uh, uh, he says uh, he remembers walking to his grandmother's house one night after service at Chapel Hill Baptist Church in Arden, North Carolina. A car came down the road at a high rate of speed. It was dark and he was in front of the car. He said he closed his eyes and the only thing he remembered was the wind from the car as it came over him. And he said he's always believed that one of God's secret agents flew by that night to protect him. The Bible excuse me. The Bible tells us that God sends his angels to watch over the church. Um, oh, I found the verse. Uh, Psalm 91.11, and this is not in your... Uh, Psalm 91.11, For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. Daniel 6.22 says, My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouth of the lions. They have not hurt me, because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I ever done anything wrong before you, O king. <coughs> uh, some more verses you might write down are uh, Acts 12.7. Numbers 22.31 The Bible teaches us that angels see the, uh, the activities of the saints. Angels observe our action. They enhance our worship. They protect our lives and direct our futures. I will tell you a little angel story right here. My, my grandmother, Miss Luby, was, uh, you might have heard me mention her in a sermon I preached here a couple weeks ago about, she didn't believe that women ought to cut their hair. And back then, that, I mean, when she grew up, that was a common, you know, thing. And, and so... Uh, she just she just couldn't bring herself to do it, and uh, she had gotten older. She was in her she was in her oh gosh, early eighties I guess. A widow. She'd been a widow for a long time, and um, she was just tired. And she said she was praying, and she said, "Lord, I'm ready to go home. I'm ready to go home." And she said she fell off asleep and then she was awakened and she said she couldn't even tell you how she woke up or why she woke up she said but she woke up and there was this giant what looked like a giant of a man she said he was as tall as the ceiling of her house standing there in his regalia and it was an angel and he said to her Louis I, the Lord is not done with you on this earth. When he is, he'll bring you home. Now be comforted and go to sleep. And she said she just rolled over and went right to sleep. 
Went right to sleep. Got up the next morning and just started her motor and ran till the day she died. Is that cool? Just cool. Just nobody famous, you know. She, she, I, my cousin told me one day. He said you probably made grandma more famous than anybody living. <laughs> but uh, just, I'm just a, a regular person, you know. And we, sometimes we make the mistake of when we read stories in the Bible about the great saints of the Bible, they're just regular folks. I mean, they're nothing special. If you look at them, really, they're they're a pretty rough bunch. A lot of them. So uh, we have to get beyond this thing of, well, God can't use me to do this because I'm not such and such. You know, God doesn't need our talent. God just needs our obedience. I had a a woman say to me the other day that uh, I went to uh, school with, all the way from grade school all the way through high school. She said, I cannot believe you're a preacher. (laughs) I said, you know what? Neither can I. (laughs) I fought it for a long time. (coughs) But so, so these angels, they look, they see what's going on. They're God's messengers. They bring us messages sometimes from, from God. Um, And the Bible tells us that angels carry God's children to heaven. That when we die, that the angel will carry us to heaven. Uh, in Luke 16, there's a passage we're all familiar with about the, what the Bible calls the rich man and Lazarus. I always thought it was interesting that he didn't say who the rich man was. Because the rich man didn't, didn't uh, he wasn't the one that this story was about. That angels seem to have a special ministry as the service of God's ministering to his divine saints. Um, The Bible says angels rejoice when sinners come to Christ. I have a sermon called, a shake called, How to Be a Heavenly Party Animal. And it's based on that that, uh, (coughs) in Luke, Luke 15. Where Jesus said, likewise, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God, one sinner that repents. The angel of God, the angels of God rejoice every time somebody is converted to Christ. There's no greater joy in heaven and there should be no greater joy on earth than when someone gets saved. When someone gets saved. It's so important. You know, it's like I said, when you, when, you, when you study what heaven is really like, I don't know how it affects you, but how it affects me is I want to go tell people. I, don't, I want to go tell people, and that's just not my nature. Um, the Bible says that every time somebody gets saved, angels stand in wonder and amazement. <coughs> that they... I don't think angels can comprehend. They know it's a great thing. They know that it ministers to God. I mean, that's God's greatest desire is that we know him. Uh, but that they, they, they shout, they give glory to God, and the Bible says, and they stand in wonder and amazement. There is a, uh, 
there's a hymn that says it this way. And we're, we're going to be done in a minute. Holy, holy, holy is what the angels sing. And I expect to help them make the chord of heaven ring. But when I sing redemption's story, they'll have to fold their wings. For angels never felt the joy that my salvation brings. Isn't that cool? Do you know that song, Shake? I, I don't know it. Huh? Cool, cool. Okay. I'm going to give you my other angel story and then we can call it a day. We can have some more cookies. Please, please eat those cookies. Um, probably all of you know my wife. The blonde, we call her at the house. We, uh, I'm on the board of directors of a association of churches and ministries based in Detroit. We have about, oh, we're probably close to 3,000 members now in the association. And everybody in that association refers to her as Pastor Blondie. <laughs> That's what they put in the bulletin. If she's going to speak at a conference, it'll say, guest speaker, Pastor Blondie. <coughs> yeah. So most of you know her. And and I wish she was here. She could tell a story better than I can. She was on her way from Texarkana to Fort Worth. In her mom mobile with three children in three car seats, rush hour traffic, and just, she said, just, it was like all the music was playing at once. And she was down in, in there's a place in Dallas, sort of down in the, uh, down in the valley where all the freeways come together, you know, uh, 30 and and 45, and 35, and 183, and 35, and they all come together down in this trough. And she she said she she was in her lane, and she was moving like she was supposed to, and she said all of a sudden, out of the corner of her eye, she saw this 18 wheeler just moving right over into her. And she said she just cried out, Oh God. And she said immediately, she saw this huge being. This angel who reached over and pushed that truck back into his lane. And she went on to where she had to go. Isn't that cool? Yeah. I'm going to get her autograph later. 